House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Today we are uh, going to Ohio to talk about the Mansfield killings. And our guest is the author of that book, Scott Fields. Thank you for being here, Scott. Well, thank you for having me on. So, Scott, let's talk about this. Uh, Mansfield Killings, like, um, what an interesting story. How did you get involved in this story and uh, start writing it? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I've written 15 novels, and most of the time I would get an idea pop in my head and it would stay there for um, two years. I went ahead and wrote the book. But a lot of them would just disappear, so I didn't bother but. I was at a book signing where there was a whole bunch of people in a room, and they took a break, and somebody mentioned, I heard some people talking, and they mentioned something about something that happened in 1948 where two guys killed three people right there in Mansfield. And they also killed a total of seven in a week's time in Ohio. And something hit me. I mean, it was really hard. I, I, I was obs- obsessed with this. And uh, the next day, I went down to the library and made copies of all the newspaper articles that was about that. I uh, I, I had a stack like you wouldn't believe of the of the papers of it. I even had to put an index thing on the front of it. But I uh, interviewed one of the members of the family. There was three people killed here in Mansfield, and their the the uh, son was an, an army guy. He was in Chicago. He started coming back here. I got so you're from family. there. What's, what's that? So that you were you were in Mansfield when you discovered this or heard about this. Oh yeah, I've been down okay. here for 20 years, and uh, so anyway, I got to talk to him a little bit. But when I started writing, now normally it takes me uh, a year, a year and a half to write a book. I wrote this one in four months. I was writing three to six thousand words a day. Uh, okay. I was obsessed with it. I don't know why. But it's been the most popular book I've ever written. Out of the 15, this one sells twice as much as all the other 14 put together. It's been a big one. Hmm. And I just, uh, I just, I, I, I'm just glad that it got out to tell you the truth. But, so, um, so when when you start writing a book like this, um, I guess you were pretty obsessed with it. What, what was it about this crime? Do you think that? Uh, um, made you so involved or feel so involved you know i really can't explain i don't really understand it because it was i was obsessed with it so much and tell you the truth i wrote another true story about a guy who in 1983 killed uh what was it about 14 people in three weeks uh about five of them here in ohio and tell you the truth, it took me two years to write that one because he was a nasty guy shooting people in the ear. Tell you the truth, it's a true story. But hmm. this one, I don't know how, why or how I got absorbed with that thing. Uh, there was a company that was going to do a movie on it, and they had so many problems. They had it for two years, and they uh, eventually had to back out because they had too many problems going on in their lives. And now my agent's got someone else looking at it right now, so hopefully it'll be a movie someday. Well, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. True crime's a big thing right now, so uh, uh, a lot of stories being told. Um, uh-huh. So when you when you got involved, so 
let's let's review some of the story. So when did this happen, and um, whereabouts was this? What 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 exact area? Well, okay, those two uh, got out of prison, the Ohio Reformatory. They'd been in there for three or four years for some kind of minor crimes or something, and when they got out, the two of them had become friends. And one, to tell you the truth, one's name was Robert Daniels. He's an extremely intelligent person, believe it or not, almost a genius IQ. And his uh, friend was named John West, and John West, uh, IQ didn't even hit 100. So... Those two are best friends, and they, when they got out of prison, they wanted to get back on a guy named Red Harris. This Red Harris was a guard at Mansfield Correctional Institute. He, Red Harris, had been really mean to him, and they wanted to get him. So uh, the first thing they did is they went to a bar here in Mansfield, and um, bottom line is they ran into some problems, and they actually shot one of the uh, the bartender in the head killed him. The two of them got out of there, and um, uh, like a day later, decided to go see if they could find this Red Harris's house. They drove outside of Mansfield, about a mile or two out there, and they got on the road where he's supposed to be, but they stopped into the wrong house. The house belonged to the Nibels, and. Um, they walked into, they busted into the place. It's like one o'clock in the morning. They got into the house and held a gun, and um, they told them that the that Red Harris lived down the road, two two uh, actually only two doors down. So they decided, the uh, uh, Wes and Daniels decided to tie him up. Well, they looked all over the house and could not find any rope. So they got all three of them, the Nibel family. Let's see, there was mother was Nolan, Nolana Nibel, Phyllis was the daughter, and John Nibel was the father. Wasn't he a now supervisor all, of? Was he uh, not the supervisor? He worked in the yes, yes, he did work in the uh, prison. Oh, okay. Um, I forget exactly what he did, but uh, they took those three and put them in a car, drove them out to a place called Fleming Falls Road, just out. A few miles outside of Mansfield. They took him out there and took him into a cornfield. Bottom line, I'll just get right to it, and shot all three of them in the head. Killed them out there. Uh, actually, the next day, uh, there was a bunch of Cub Scouts were going down that road. Now, back in those days, uh, corn stalks were split like a foot apart, not like they are today, and you could see down through a cornfield. And this uh, one kid actually saw, and I met this kid. He's not a kid anymore, of course, but I met him. And he said he looked into that cornfield and saw three people laying there on the ground. And unfortunately, the, uh, those two made those three take off their clothes before they killed them. Now, why, I don't know. He never did say. Um, this kid told the supervisor, and the supervisor sent the kids on down, and he... Um, Went in there, found that, and uh, called the cops. Now, uh, those two had killed those three, and they killed, of course, another one before that, the night before, in the bar. Uh, they decided, they knew the cops were after him. They decided to get out of Ohio. And um, they started driving toward Indiana. So 
they got about halfway over to Indiana, and uh, it was dark, and they were running out of gas, and they decided to pull into a, a park, uh, a roadside park, and rest for a few minutes. And they saw a truck, big semi with cars on it, about, you know, normal hauling cars kind of truck. They uh, went over to the truck and saw the driver was asleep in the truck, and they shot him, killed him. Pulled him out, and the next morning they took off try, going, trying to get into Indiana. So they drove all the way over to a town called Van Wert, Ohio, which is real close to Indiana. And in Van Wert, out in the cornfields, the cops had already put up a blocking thing. To, they figured they were going to be going that way. They stopped him in that truck and drew guns on him, and uh, the uh, the, the guy that wasn't so smart, the uh, uh, John West, he was driving, and Robert Daniels was was actually sleeping in one of the cars up there. So West got out, and he started in a gunfight with all those cops. He shot one of the cops. He, the cop didn't die, but they <laughs> end up shooting and killing him. So John West was dead. Robert Daniels heard the stuff and he tried to hide and they actually caught him. They found him up there and took him to jail. Now that was, um, let's see. I think that was Van Wert. That was July 22nd, 1948. Uh, back in those days, they didn't mess around on this kind of stuff. And especially Robert Daniels was actually a good looking guy. And when he went to court here in Mansfield, uh, there was like a thousand women wanted to see him. That's how good looking he was and how I can't believe they would do it. Yeah. But the, the trial, he, he admitted to everything. So the trial didn't last long. And at the end, they found him guilty. And that was July, January 3rd of 1949. He was electrocuted. They didn't mess around. Oh, that's when they he did was it. Gone. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when you look at this, why do you think that they killed the, the Neville family? If if they knew that it wasn't the guy they were looking for, um, so why did they go through and kill them, and especially the way they did, taking them out to a, a field and stripping them naked and then shooting them? Like, if it's not the person you're after. Well, that's a good question. I'll tell you one thing I found out was is that uh, – you know, after after all the time they spent trying to find rope to tie up, tie their hands on time so they couldn't get out, that's what they were worried about, them uh, getting a hold of the police real quick. And so they couldn't find any rope to tie them up. Believe it or not, that's why they killed them, I think. That's the way I, I was told. But here's the thing. The very next day, that uh, guard, Red Harris, yes. he lived real close there and he came down believe it or not this is the truth he came down to the Nival family house to borrow a rope for something <laughs> he was doing at the house can you believe that wow yeah. oh my god I no I I hear that uh, when they were inside the Nival home they actually raped that daughter it <laughs> I don't know that for a fact I really don't okay. I've uh done a lot of research on it and they never brought that up so it's very oh. possible 
I, I, that fact, I think that's what happened, really. I do. She wasn't. She was just turned twenty-one too. Her birthday was like a couple of days later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but they they weren't charged with that, were they? No. No. Isn't that weird? It's weird that they would do that. Was there a reason they were on this killing rampage? Like why why they killed the bartender? Just because they got into a fight? So did they just decide they were just going to start killing people after that, or what do you think that was? Well, the two of them um, were in that bar, and they started talking, and one of them mentioned about the fact that uh, um, we need, oh, the, uh, the one that's not so bright, he's the one that said something about uh, getting a job. we got to earn some money. We're back out in public. And uh, Daniel said, we ain't going to work. He said, we can steal money. That's just as easy as uh, working. And they stole right there when at uh, that bar. They shot that one guy, but they stole some money from the bar. That's the reason he did it. And uh, they figured that's the way they're going to spend the rest of their life. Well, it only lasted one week, seven days. Or actually six days, actually. What does that do to a community like that? That's a smaller community, and it's 1948. Um, that must have really terrified everyone. You wouldn't believe how bad it was. And to tell you the truth, in that particular summer, it was extremely hot in this in this town. It was over 100 degrees about every day. And we didn't have air conditionings back then. So, And they had to close. Every kid could not go outside. They made them stay in the house. And what they did is they kept the doors locked and the windows shut. So can you imagine a house at 100 degrees with no air conditioning? That's the way it was. Everybody was like that. They were so scared. It was big noise back then. You know, we have a lot of killings going on in this country now. Um, But back in 1948, this was something really rare. No one had ever done this. Yeah, it's more commonplace now, I think. Yeah, it is. Sorry. They call it they call it the Mad Dog Killers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why and did they call it that? What was that? What was that name about? You got me. I never heard. That's a, that's a good one, <laughs> Mad Dog Killers. I did hear that though. Yeah. <laughs> and then I heard that uh, that that Robert Daniels uh, that before he went with his. Buddy, after they got out, uh, Robert Daniels' parents said, don't go out with that John West. And Robert Daniels says, well, he's the smartest guy I know. And then, isn't that John West? He had the low IQ. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually read that he had an IQ of 60. Now, wow. that's even lower than mine, so I felt bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Then didn't, didn't Robert uh, Daniels also claim that he had a couple, uh, like, head injuries and spine injuries when he was, like, seven years old? So he's trying to blame those for his uh, lack of remorse and his psychopathic behavior yes. or something? You are right. Yes, he he, he, did, he did have that, and they did bring that up in court, too. One of the other things he brought up in court, they, they questioned him on why he took the clothes off of those three before he killed them. He's, and they asked him, did you rape her before he killed her, and he never really did reply. He, he said no, and that was about it, and they just let it go. But uh, okay, that he didn't explain a whole lot about why he took those clothes off those shirts. Were the forensics really bad back then, or did they wouldn't be able to tell if she was raped, or was there a reason that they couldn't tell? I don't think they had forensics back in '48. Really, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, it probably was a, I hate to say this, but a lesser minor considering the fact he shot her in the head, and in the stomach, and then in the head. He shot her twice. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. That was bad. So, you know, you have to wonder, so what was Daniels with West for? Like, why why was there a connection there, you know? Uh, they didn't know each other until they got into, into prison together, and they became friends in prison. How, I don't know, but they were pretty good friends in prison, and they decided to get together outside when they both got out of there. And uh, they were in Pennsylvania for a while. I forget which one of them lived there, or, his, you know, his parents lived there. And they stayed there for a little while, but then came back to Ohio. But, uh, did their family show up for the uh, trial, or did Daniel's family, or were they involved? How, how did that happen? Or You know, I, I, do, I do not think they were there, because I've seen a picture, a, a drawing of the courtroom, and there was only a few people there, and believe it or not, the woman who's taken the notes of the trial, you know how there's a stenographer that she writes everything down? Right. I met her, too. And mm. I, I, she might still be, I'm not sure, but I, I had breakfast with her, and uh, she was she was uh, 90-something, and her husband was 100. And the next year, her husband died, and, and as far as I know, she was still around. But she was there for only, only like 20, 22 years old. And it was her first job of taking down notes at a trial. So, wow. When someone reads the book, what do you want them to get out of this? Like, did, do you have a, a kind of a thought in mind that you hope people walk away with some sort of feeling or idea after they read the book? Well, the best thing I can see out of the whole thing is uh, for somebody to see how what can happen to you. I mean, to. It, you're going to get caught. The chances of you not not getting caught are pretty rare. And these two ended up getting shot in the head, and the other one was electrocuted. And I really went into details on him getting electrocuted too, so that they can see what can happen if you if you uh, break the law in such a manner as that. These two deserve to die, and that's what happened to him. I just uh, I just thought it was good for him. Yeah. Do you think that the death penalty then is is something that? Um should be in place? Do you think it actually deters people or, or not? I think so. I don't think they do it as much anymore. People can uh, spend a life in prison now, so uh, uh, a chance of getting electrocuted is pretty rare anymore, it seems like, unless I just don't know about it. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> no, most of the most of the courts in states um, overturn death penalty cases, and yeah, people yeah. people end up with life, you know, and and especially if it's a female killer, it just it just doesn't happen. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so they end up yeah. spending time in prison getting uh, getting uh, groceries and everything for free. That's a, you know. yeah, so TV, I don't know. I just computer. it just seems like. Uh, I think they would be a little bit deferred from such a thing if they were electrocuted. One, one intriguing thing that I think is, to me, is let's say John West was just a follower since he was kind of low on the IQ and, and Robert Daniels was kind of the leader, that here is a, a person that uh, they were talking about his uh, complete lack of remorse, yet when you look at the history, I guess he was saying that, that his parents were... Had a were fighting all the time, something to that effect. But how did he switch from being a a robber straight to a killer? And uh -huh. and, and then uh, it's kind of an intriguing thing how this 
this killing spree began, as in once they finally killed that, uh, I think they killed the what the uh, Ambrose Tavern. The Ambrose, they killed him first, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And and then uh, once they did it, and then here it is, John West was the, the gun nut, and uh, so they just started doing it. It's like, to me, is a... What quite the leap becoming? Let's say they're they're gonna survive instead of working. They're gonna rob people or rob places, yeah. and yeah. then to kill. What a big jump, a big leap. Yes, it is. You're right. I I just uh, it's hard to imagine why that happened. And it was one of the biggest things going on in the United States back in 1948, and I can understand now why after all that I've read and so forth about it, but. Um, these two are, let's put it easy, these two are crazy. It's simple as that. <laughs> yeah. well, be doing was, something like that. Was it, uh, what was the um, community like? What, like, was it a poor, poor community and, and were, were things rough? Back in those days, yes, it was a little bit. It's a, it was, uh, most everybody was farmers or in Mansfield area. Um, and uh, it, it there's a lot of financial problems, of course, but uh, and then we also had downtown Mansfield, or at least close to. There was a lot of factories, big time factories. So there was a lot of jobs uh, there to get if you they were interested. But these two, I don't think they wanted to work at all. Pay true. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cl- clear they didn't. Well, that was only three years after the war ended, so that's why I was asking what the economy and things were like. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's crazy. Um, so did it, did it act, do you think it actually changed the area, this, this killing? This killing, you said, made national media, so um, people throughout the country knew about it. Yes. So did it yes, really it- kind of freak people out, do you think? Well, yeah, like I say, the fact that the people uh, uh, wouldn't go out of the houses, they wouldn't even, even go and get some groceries, it was a, a burden for them because they didn't want to get outside of the house. And uh, people who had guns in their house made sure that they were available. I remember also that uh, there was a, a, a meeting, a woman's meeting that happened most all the time, and... Uh, they they decided not to even meet for that meeting because of what was going on. There was a, just it was a, a an incredible thing happening in in Ohio and especially here in Mansfield because Mansfield is kind of a boring town. That's why I live here. I'm boring myself. <laughs> and uh, so, you st- uh, did you still have party lines for phones or? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny. I say that, and I know young people won't have a clue what that part. Party line. <laughs> party line yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Now everybody has yeah. a phone on them. Well, um, the bad thing for me was every time I wanted to get on the phone, on the party line, there's always somebody else on it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't do anything to get them off if you catch my drift. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend like you're listening, then they they don't like that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's crazy. You know, one uh, thing I got to tell you is that yep. uh, um, when I uh, when I was going to go to college, turned down the Detroit Tigers. Anyway, I was getting ready to leave, and the day before I left, my mother, 
who was an extremely good writer, but she never tried to get published. She, I inherited it from her. She was an extremely good writer. She wrote a lot of little short stories, stuff like that. And um, before I left, she left me with a, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, but it was a five-page note for me, a, a letter to me. And I still have it, believe it or not, after all these years. But uh, that five thing told about our life together and how she was supposed to get dinner ready for Thanksgiving the next day, and I wanted to go fishing, and she would take me out to the river and uh, stay with me till while I fished. She did a lot of things for me. And I always thought she died early in life. She's only 63. And I always thought I would love to get her published. Well, the very first novel I had come out was called Summer Harvest. And believe it or not, I managed to get her letter to me incorporated into that book so she got published. I just felt good about it, that's all. Wow. So that was 2004 that got published? Yeah, I think it was. 2000, yeah, 2004. Yeah. How'd you know that? I, he's, I, I, he's a I research man. I'm not a research oh, okay. guy. <laughs> he's, he's yeah, a I, 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 I was just I, I was just so uh, grateful to get her published, that's all. Oh, that's she was nice. an excellent writer. That's fantastic. What do you are, do? You plan on what kind of like so going from from your story with your mother and your life to uh, the killings? Um, do you plan to get into to writing more killing books or like kind of what's your history? What's your history with that? Do you want to write more true crime? Um, well, there's that one, the true story, and then I told you about the Killing Road. The guy killed 13 people in three weeks. Right. Did I? Did, did I tell you about that? Yes, well, that a was, little uh, bit. Yeah. That was nasty. I, I had a time writing that because it took me two years to write because he was such a nasty guy, killing, shooting people in the ear. Oh, for mm. I mean, he was he was horrible. Uh, but that's the only why, two that I ever wrote. Like, why was the guy shooting people in the ear? Like, what you know, <laughs> he just went ballistic. He, he married a woman here in Ohio. They lived over in Los Angeles. They moved over here to Ohio, and they were together for several months, and finally something snapped in his head, and that his wife's brother came into the his house, and this guy shot the brother. And from then on, he just started, he left and just started killing people. Um Wow. Four or five here in Ohio, down in, I think down, he went down to Georgia, um, he even went to Florida, he killed five down in Florida, and finally just gave in his gun. And they, of course, they, he got electrocuted eventually. 1983, I think it was. But um, that was enough of that stuff. I, <laughs> I just can't handle that stuff anymore. And I've been writing, uh, oh, most of my books are... Uh, in fact, uh, the latest one I've uh, had published was called Against the Wind. And uh, there's a guy named Don Fauntleroy over in Hollywood who's uh, making a movie out of that one, Against the Wind. It's more of a religious kind of story. And he's going to try to have it done so it'll be a Christmas story here at the end of this year. I hope it does. Speaking of but movies, I, uh, isn't the Mansfield killing doing it? 
Uh, isn't that going to be a movie? Um, my agent's working on somebody to do it. Like I say, it got turned down by a company. Uh, a company that couldn't do it anymore. They were they had to back out of it, and so she's finding somebody else to. Uh, okay. To, uh, to make a movie out of it. I so just want to go see a movie. Yeah. Writing true crime really kind of affects you, doesn't it? Like when you come out yes. of it after a book, it kind of uh, it makes you feel more negative toward other people, or? Oh no, not really. I, uh, in fact, uh, I appreciate my friends after reading about some of these people. And uh, <laughs> I, like I say, I've only written two of these, and uh, I, I, my my best one that I think I enjoyed was Against the Wind. I really. It's a uh, kind of a religious thing, and it's uh, very positive in my book. A very good. Uh, I shouldn't say that. That sounds like someone bragging on his stuff. But that's my favorite. <laughs> Can I well, say no, that was my mean, favorite? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, there's things that that that's how it is as a writer. You'll come out with certain ones that uh, are your favorite for yeah. personal reasons, right? And it, oh yeah, you know, summer harvest. Some, my, I, that was a big one when I f first came out. Summer harvest came out back, like you said. Quite a long time ago, and uh, that mm -hmm. thing was selling three to four thousand copies a, a week. It was big, wow. but wow, that was a long good. time ago, so it's not as good anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, well, guy like me, I, mean, I just <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good um, when you get old. Do, you get old, yeah. That's Mike. So, do you have a um, a <laughs> website or something that you uh, set up for people to follow you, or do you not? do any of that social stuff i used to do that stuff a long time ago and i've kind of gotten away from it. i used to do book signings all over the state of ohio and um i just backed off of it for some reason i don't know i don't i kind of getting away from it. in fact i started a book about uh, a year and a half ago got half done and stopped writing and uh just recently i'm thinking about trying to finish because i really liked it and uh, so I reread that first half of it uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I'm going to think about uh, getting it done because that's something that's always bothered me as kids with cancer. That's always bothered <laughs> me. And, and um, I'm doing a book with that, and a guy fall in love with a woman, and he's actually, believe it or not, this guy's a former mafia killer, and he becomes a preacher. Imagine that. I, mm. I pulled one. That's a good one. Anyway. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But he's um, <laughs> he's doing whatever he can to help help her and so forth, and uh, I I, I got to finish it. Simple as that. Yeah, well, you got time. Um, um, well, anyway, I mean, you got time now. I'm sure with the uh, oh, yeah. uh, virus thing going around, not a lot of people are staying home. So you got that right. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad this is over. Well, yeah, what, don't you don't you, don't you think there'd be a good movie coming out? Oh, you don't like to do serial killer stuff, but there'd be a perfect serial killer something, something like that, Al. So we got to do that. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, yeah. yeah. no, no. Well, uh, you know what's worried me is um, the fact that uh, that one guy's doing Against the Wind. Um, he started this a couple months ago, and I don't know whether you know there's no movies anymore coming out. I don't, know. but I I don't write him. I don't want to bother him. So I just hope yeah. he's still at it. Well, it could just be in in in, in uh, you know in on hold for a while. Like some of them will wait yeah. a couple of months yeah. and do other things, right? And yeah, and that, so you know, it's 
it's a process, and and I think everyone's sort of on hold, you know, in a way. Oh, yeah. Nobody really, You're really right. knows what's going to happen, so it just kind of, you know, just give it a couple of months and see where it goes. But, uh, you know. Well, it's, wow. uh, I'm a, I, uh, I like writing. It's something that uh, keeps me busy, and uh, uh, to tell you the truth, after our 15 novels, uh, I, I believe it or not, I actually have three half-finished novels. Now, Fields, why don't you finish them before you do anything? And I've only had one other idea in my head after all these years. I used to have four or five ideas in my head. Now I only got one. It's been there for I'll bet you ten years. So I don't know how write it or not. I don't know. See what happens. Yeah. That's kind of hmm. like Mike. He's he's only had one idea in his head for. for a while. <laughs> hey, I've gone far with that idea though. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a while, and it just doesn't doesn't change. So you know, it's, it's okay. I'm simple. Be, yeah, very very basic, and be proud. That's all that matters. You know. Well, you know the well, the one thing is I'm I'm proud of on the Mansfield. This isn't bragging. I just wanted to tell you, uh, I've had I don't know how many people, hundreds of people, tell me that they start reading that novel and they can't finish it. They'll stay up all night trying to get the thing finished. So I've had a guy tell me he it was late at night and he decided to put it down and he got in bed and had to get back up to read some more of it. That's so great. That made me feel good. It really did make me feel good because I, yeah. I was proud of that thing, and uh, uh, I would love to see a movie on that thing. I just would. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's good when you make connections with people when you write something and they actually um, it really really connects. That's probably the most rewarding part of it. That's what <laughs> you're right. Rewarding. That's exactly the word. <laughs> I feel good about it. I spent. You spend a year, year and a half writing a book. You just hope that people like it. It's not that I care about the money. I just want to see if people like the thing. And yeah. to tell you the truth, on the Mansfield killings, I looked at the re- I made the mistake of reading the reviews on it one time, and there was a couple of them. Um, there was one guy put a review on the Mansfield killings, and um, he put some stuff that was fictitious. It was not true. Uh, making bad remarks about the book and I thought Fields don't read those reviews anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah you know um, that's kind of how how reviews work and when you first start start looking at them um, yeah. Y- yeah it can be it can be painful because your intention is not to upset people or to get things wrong you don't or you, or anything ex- I know yes you're right exactly right and, yeah and so and you know but after a while, you get uh, you get kind of tough as nails because people mm-hmm. will say all sorts of things about yes. you that are not true and about uh-huh. the story. And what can you do, right? Yep, um, that's true. You're right. You know, you know, it's I, it's kind of that kind of a world where uh, the reviews can come out and there's really no protection um, uh, for you in a sense. No, no. So. Um, I mean, I get accused of all sorts of things, so <laughs> I still work for the government and all that sort of stuff. You get all sorts of stuff, so it's just it's uh-huh. crazy. You know, I had a book review that was I had a book review that uh, the person was promoting his book 
and that was the only reason. So he gave me a low grade and started promoting his his Jack the Ripper book. And so I complained to Amazon.com about that, and they still haven't taken it off. <laughs> so oh, well, using yeah. my book for sales on his book, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't win. There, people are. They, they. A lot of people have access to say things, and what can you do? You know, so. Well, one of the things after that book came out, uh, where those three were killed out in that cornfield is on Fleming Falls Road, out in the country, and uh, there was a unbelievable amount of people out there, and uh, going by the where that, that you could tell where they were killed. But the other thing was the Nibel House. Um. In fact, in the book, there's a pictures of the Nibel House today and back in '48, and uh, that Nibel House where those three were killed, um, that thing had traffic jams all the time around the house. There was cars parked everywhere, and they finally had to get cops out there on that because of the problem. Well, believe it or not, uh, just a couple weeks ago they tore that house down, so. No longer are they being out there on that. Hmm. I was I curious if they were there. For, huh? I wonder if it was haunted. Oh, good question. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. Let me rewrite that book. I'll put that in there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> there you go. We've got it figured out. Update. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. Well, you know, um, so uh, we will have your book listed on the website. People that listen in and can just do one click and pick up the book. Um, oh, good. It's Thanks. Been, it's it's fascinating, and uh, we uh, recommend it for anybody. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, so now the book uh, is called The Mansfield Killings, and the author has been our guest, Scott Fields. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me on there. I just am glad to talk to you guys about this. Believe. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end. By George, he's got it. It is the end. I'll see you. If you're lying to me. I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. 